So they say, I don't know who they is, but they say that the, the, the average couple, the average relationship, people that are going together or married, the number one thing, say one, number one thing they fight about is money. I don't think any of us would probably dispute that. I mean, I think that's probably true. I often, I often wonder though, what's the number two thing? Like, I don't know what it is. I'm guessing, I'm gonna guess. Where are we gonna go eat? Okay, that's because I don't know about, I don't know if you struggle with that area. Why has it got to be so hard? Okay, I don't understand it. It's like, and ladies, I'm not picking on you, but I'll say, you'll say something to us like, you know what, you pick. You, I don't care where we go, honey. You pick the place. And we're like, hey, there's that burger place down the, down, down the road. And you're like, oh, burgers? I don't know about burgers. Okay, all right, fine, fine. You don't want burgers? You know, Liz and, Liz and Matt, they went to... Uh, what that Mexican place, you know, chimichangas, margarita, come on, that, I don't know, Mexican, my tummy, kind of, okay, 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 um, wings, we'll say there's wings, we love wings, and you, but you'll be like, buffalo wings? They're kind of messy, aren't they? I don't know, well, I'm like, there's boneless buffalo wings, there's other things on the menu, so really what you're saying is, you do care where we go eat, don't you? You do care. And finally, you're like, okay, fine, fine. Wings it is. I'll find something on the menu. Just drive to a wings place. And we're not going to ask you what wings place because we'll go down that rabbit hole again. So we just get in the car and we drive. And 10 minutes later, we pull in the parking lot of Hooters. And then the relationship's <laughs> over. So big, then you're sharing, you know, then you're paying child support. So anyway, so back to money. Um, my, so money is a big deal. And uh, like even my wife and I, when Jody, my wife, says I'm going to make a quick trip to Target, I tell you what, as soon as she leaves the garage and takes off, I call the bank. I'm like, I'm like, listen, we got a code red. We got a code red. The bank's like, Target? I'm like, yep, Target. I freeze all the accounts. I'll, I'll let you know when it, there's an all clear. And uh, Jody, Jody will get back. And I love my wife. I do. And, but ladies, when we ask you how much it was, why do you say, I got a great deal? Okay? That's all you say. That's not answering the question. I got a great deal. I'll ask again. How much? Okay. So, um, the reason I get, I get pretty excited talking about a topic that Jesus talked about more than anything else, because I don't want anything from you. I'll take the pressure off of you right now. If you're getting all tense about money, don't care. Do not care about that at all. And I, the more you get to know me, you'll know that's not even me talking, because I, I used to care tremendously about this, so much so that I could relate to one of the guys in the story I'm about to share with you. This is what I know. I want, we exist to lead you to, your, to Christ and your God-given purpose. Say Purpose. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. And I know that your purpose will not happen if you're saddled in debt. Okay? We're in a series called Four-Letter Words. And the four-letter word we're looking at that, that we don't like to talk about much is debt. And the reason I love talking about it is because it sheds a light on what the devil wants to use to destroy you and, over, and, and like cover up your purpose through your debt. But God says, I didn't create you to be in debt. I created you to live a life that is a life of abundance and a life of blessing. And, and, and so I love talking about this because it's something for you. But let's be realistic. Two-thirds of Americans have credit cards. And, and of the people that have credit cards, you know what the average person, how many cards they have? Four. Now, some of you are like, dang, I'm above average. Okay, that's not a good thing, okay? Jeez, it's not the time you want. Anyway, so the average, I think the average debt, let me make sure I get it right. Yeah, the average household with credit cards carries a debt of $8,400. That's just credit cards. The average debt per person in America, uh, Everything, like credit cards, student loans, whatever, $38,000. And that's not including home. That's not mortgage or anything. That's, uh, that's excluding that. So I think to myself, why in the heck are we... Uh, and this was me. This was me. Like, if that's where you're at today, praise God that you're here. I thank God that you're here. If you are struggling in an area of finance or you're struggling in an area of debt, I believe that God has brought you here for a reason. 
And again, there's no special offering. This is no setup that, no, no, no. I pray that the Holy Spirit works in you like he did me on one Sunday that changed my life. I, I'm so passionate about this because I'll do whatever it takes to lead you to your purpose. And I know you can't live, live your purpose saddled with debt. You can't do it. So Jesus, the truth is, Jesus talked about the subject more than anything else. It's insane. You think more than salvation? I mean, that's why he came to save us. More than love? God, his father is love. Yep. More than those things. More than heaven, more than hell, more than anything. So why would he do that? Because he, because does he need something from us? No, no. He wants something for you. And, and, and until I start to understand the principles of what Jesus taught, I never understood how to get right with God in that area of my life. God has something for you. Say for me. For you today. So if you brought a Bible, which I always want to encourage you to do, or you got the mobile app, that, like the Bible app on the U version or whatever, go to Matthew 25. Is that right? Yeah, Matthew 25, verse 14. And if you don't have that, God, let us give you a Bible. I'll give them away for free. Love giving you God's word. Or look on the screen. We'll have it up here shortly. I need, to, I need to set it up. Jesus is giving a parable to some people. A parable is an illustration. It's a story that he uses to teach about a principle. In this case, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And he starts in Matthew 25, 14, and Jesus says this. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He says, he called together some servants, and he entrusted them with some of his money. Whose money? His money, the master's money. So the master is saying, hey, here's some money. And the first servant, he gave five bags of silver. Okay, you tracking? The second servant, two bags of silver. The third, one bag of silver. Now, he didn't give them different amounts because he liked one better than the other. He divided it up according to their abilities of how they would handle it, what they could do, what their capacity was at that moment. And then he left on the trip. So the master's gone. Here are the servants are with their bags of money, their bags of silver. The servant who received the most, the five bags, he began to invest the money and he earned five more. Wow, that's awesome. The servant with two bags did the same. He doubled it to, from two to four. But the third servant received one bag. He dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money right in the ground. The, the, the uh, verse 19, okay, this is key. In fact, I'll say it before I read verse 19. The illustration that Jesus is talking about is illustrating the kingdom of heaven. The period that you, are, you and I are living in right now, we are living in a time between verse 18 and verse 19. Okay? That's where we're at today, just so you understand the context. Remember verse 18? He's left them. He's given them, what, given them things, you know, their time, their talent, their, 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 their bag of silver. And now he's gone. And the master, Jesus, is gone. But Jesus is coming back. The master is coming back. That's verse 19. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account for the money, they had, for, for, for how they had used his money. The servant who he entrusted with five bags came forward. Listen to the first thing the servant says. Master, you gave me. Those three words are critical for the message today. You gave me five bags of silver to invest. I've earned five more. That excited the master. In fact, it says the master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling such a small amount. I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Okay, door number two is up. Does that servant comes forward? He received the two bags. Master, he said, you gave me. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? The same response right away, acknowledging whose it was and what he was given. 
I've earned two more. I've doubled it. Master, this exact same response. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with this small amount. I'll give you many more responsibilities. Come, let's celebrate together. The master is pleased with the first two. And then there's the third door, door number three. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, you gave me. No, wait, he, he didn't say that, did he? I see you looking at the screen. I see you looking at your Bible. You're reading it. You're like, that doesn't compute. It doesn't. He, he doesn't start off with a posture of gratefulness and thankfulness. He starts off with a posture of defensiveness, accusatory, making excuses. Do you know why? Because he's, he's seen what happened with the first servant and what he did. He saw what happened with the second servant and how he invested it and how he got a return, and he knew he didn't do it. So rather than take ownership or rather than acknowledge even whose it was, he deflects and he calls out the master almost. Listen to what he says. He says, master, I knew you were a harsh man. So, you know, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I'd lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your bag back. The master's not happy with this. He doesn't want to celebrate this. In fact, he says, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Repeat after me. Say kingdom, kingdom. interest. See, kingdom interest isn't like the interest that you, you and I talk about in this world. It's something way bigger. God's going to reveal it to you in this message. I believe it with all my heart. After he told this, this, this third servant that, what he told him, you wicked and lazy, lazy servant, he says this. He ordered, take the money from the servant who only had one, give it to the one who has the most. So now the one who had five, then ten, now has eleven. And the one who had one now has none. Doesn't seem fair, but it's more than fair. For everyone, Jesus said, who has will be given more. And he will have an abundance but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And I hear that and I think, oh, okay, God, so your plan is that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? And it's not so much that. See, this illustration isn't about the rich getting richer. I mean, they, 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 they were all given different amounts. It wasn't about the amount. It was about what they did with the, what the amount they were given. Will you, can I trust you with what I've given you? That's what God is saying to them. That's what the master in the illustration is saying to them. But it's, it's another scripture that God gave me that correlates to this. And it, and it makes no sense in our human mind because we think, well, if I give, I have less, they have more. God says, my math is different than your math. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Proverbs eleven twenty four: give freely and become more wealthy. That doesn't compute to many of us. Be stingy. In other words, dig a hole, bury it, be stingy, keep what you have, keep what you've been given for yourself, lose it all. And isn't that what happened? Isn't that what happened to the third servant? That he would bury it and lose everything. This is, this is, this is so powerful that we catch this. What hits me is, and I'm a learner, so I'm always listening to podcasts. And, and one of the guys I listen to, he's a Christian, but it's not like a Christian podcast. It's, he's in the real estate business, but I love some of his principles. And he always says, and this guy, he, do, he does very well financially, but he's blessed in many ways. And he says, this is a principle that's changed my life. He says, you give it out in slices, it comes back in loaves. You give it out in slices, it comes back in loaves. Oh, so you're just saying it's prosperity. And like, if I give this, then I'm going to get more. And No, no, no. It, it, it's, not, it's not a prosperity, it's a promise from God, and it's way bigger than money. It's way bigger than money. So the three servants all had a choice, right? They all had a choice, okay? Remember, verse 18 and 19, in the middle is where we're at? This is the choice. 
and the master says, I've given you, I've given you, now what will you do? And he's watching and he's waiting. And, 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 and what choice? So what hits me is the first two servants, the five bag and the two bag, what hits me isn't what they did, though that's significant. They're, 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 the way that they acted, how they invested, how they went to work was big. But what almost hit me even more was their response, their attitude, their heart. Remember, master, you gave me. I mean, they don't, it's not like, oh, I'm gonna start making excuses, or I didn't do this, or I didn't do, no. They immediately acknowledged whose it was, and, and they're thankful for it. So there's a gratefulness and a faithfulness, and they always go together. And here's a principle that you need to understand. If we're not grateful for what we currently have, we will never be grateful for what we're given in the future, okay? If you're not grateful for what you currently have, you won't be grateful for what you've been given. And what I love about it, the, even the guy with the two bags, he could have said, he could have said, Master, you gave him five. He didn't say that. He said, Master, I'm not going to focus on what he has. I'm going to focus on what I have, what you've given me. Because the Master knows, you know what? I could have given you five, but you weren't ready for five. I, you weren't ready for that, and that would have overwhelmed you, and that would have actually hurt you. And I'm a good father who has good gifts for my children. So rather than thinking, I want what they have, or I want what they have, or no, no, no. God knows what you need. And when he knows he can trust you with it, he will give it to you. It's so, I love, but, but the third guy, the third servant, remember door number three, the one bag. What is his response? It wasn't you gave me. It was excuses. It was accusations. And you know what it was rooted in? Remember what he said? I was afraid. This is like a series inside of a series. Like this could be part one of part two next week. Because next week, the four letter word we're looking at is fear. Say fear. He was rooted in fear. So what did he do? He ran and he hid the money. So you can't get too hard on the third servant, okay? Don't be too tough on him. A lot of us were that third servant. I've been there. Most of my life I've been there. And he's not like he's a bad guy. It's not like he wants to just disobey. See, I don't believe for a second that most people... See, I believe most people want to give more. I do. I really think, like, when you see a cause, when you see somebody hurting, when you see an opportunity, I think most people, they're like, I want to know how I can be more generous. I wish I could get to a point in my life where I could give more. So, now, are there people that, but, but I don't even think this. I don't think people, like, you know, I'm not going to give because I just, I think the church, I ain't going to give to them. They just want your money. And now, maybe you think that. And if that's you and you think the church just wants your money, don't write, then don't write a check to the church, Okay. Write your check to me. I'll take care of it. M-O-N-T-E. Anyway, so I'm kidding. Settle down, settle down. So, but seriously, M-O-N-T-E. Okay. Um, I don't think most people think that way. I really don't. Do you know why I tell you that? Because you were created in the image of your almighty father. Because you were created in the image of God. And the God that I know and the God that I study and the God that I serve and the God that has to forgive me almost every day for me doing stupid things, that God, that God loves you and he created you in his image. Now that God is generous. Our God is a gift giver. Like he gives generously. At least he wants to. So if that's, and you're made, if that's him and you're made in his image, well that means that you have it in you. And now I get it. It might be buried right now. Mine was. And it could be buried on pain. It could be buried on fear. It could be buried in doubt. It could be buried in sadness. It could, be, it could be buried in greed. 
It could be buried in any of those things. But trust me, if you uncover all that, you will find a giver in there. They are in there. But can I tell you, it's hard to give. I hope you hear this. It is hard to be generous. It's hard to give when you are burdened by debt, when you are fighting with your spouse about money, when you are scraping to get by, right? Some of you can relate. See, this is where I was. I was going to church. I wanted to give, but I thought there's no way I can do it. There's no way. I can't give. I can't do that. I can't even pay my bills. And I thought, I can't get out of the hole that I'm in. This was me. And if that's you today, I came here to tell somebody that there is hope. Because Jesus promises an abundant life. Jesus promises a blessed life. A life where you can not only live like nobody else, but you can give like nobody else. It can happen. And I know you hear that. You think, oh, that sounds great, Pastor. That sounds inspirational. But that ain't where I'm at. Not yet. I promise you, God has brought you here. for He, he wants to do something in you. This area, I, I've never seen the hand of God in my life like I have in this. Again, not, not money, purpose. Understand. I believe this with all my heart. We struggle with money. Jesus knew it. He spoke on it because he loves us. And he wants us to live the life that he died for. Not the one, not the one that we saddle ourselves with. And I think the million dollar question, lean into this. I think the million dollar question is this. God looks down at us and he's asking a question. Can I trust them? Like, if I give them this five bags, can I trust them? Can, and he's not basing that decision on what you've said. He's not, basing it, he's not basing it on what you put down in your goals for the year. He's basing it on what you show him. Okay? This leads us to the main point. Please, if you take nothing else, hear this. When you show God that he can trust you, then he will bless you. Let me say it again. When you show God that he can trust you, then he will bless you. Why did the guy with the five bags that doubled the 10 bags get the 11th? Okay, God's just saying, okay, next in line. I can trust you. You were good with it. You invested it. You used your time. You used your talent. You used your resources. Here's more. See, when you show God that you can trust him, then he will bless you. You know when this, when this hit me right between the eyes? It, it was when I was at my church where I got saved back in Sioux Falls. And my pastor said something to me. And, uh, you know, because I, I was, like many of you, maybe you're not giving, maybe you're struggling, maybe you can't pay the bills every month, maybe you're taking out payday loans, maybe you're, I mean, this is an area where you just struggle, struggle, struggle. And it's a grind every day. That's where I was. That's, that, that was my life. And my pastor said, I need to show you something. And he unpacked a scripture. This, I, I need to give you four more verses for sure. The, the verses I'm going to go to are the book right before Matthew. The book right before Matthew is Malachi. Malachi is the last book of what we call an Old Testament. It's the Israelites and their plight through the, to the promised land and beyond that. So Malachi leads into to Matthew. You need to understand, understand something before I unpack Malachi, though. The plight of the Old Testament, of these Israelites, these, these God's chosen people, it was one of struggle. It was one of hardship. It was one of digging and burying. You know what that is, not trusting, right? And it's not because you're bad. It isn't, this isn't a message about, oh, you're so bad, you're so evil, you don't give. Are you kidding me? I, people are scared, they're freaked out. How can I do it? I can't even do this. I get it. 
So, but, but the Israelites, God would, get, God would lay out a plan for them, and they'd do it for a little bit, and then they'd do their own thing because they thought their ways were better than God's ways. And God's like, oh, my gosh, that's going to hurt. Okay, do it your way. And they did it, and God, God's blessings left them, and they went downward spiral. And this is through the whole Old Testament, up and down, up and down. God, we love you. God, we trust you. Oh, we screwed up. We did it our own way. God, we love you. God, we trust you. Oh, we screwed up. We did it our own way. God, you get it. So at the end of the, end of the Old Testament, here we sit at Malachi. And at Malachi, it, it's a, the, 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 the nation is in disarray. So much so that even the religious leaders, they're in disarray. And they don't even know it. And that's who God's addressing. Malachi 7, verse, excuse me, Malachi 3, verse 7. God is speaking to the, the leaders now the religious people, ever since the days of your ancestors, remember, ever since the days, that, that whole plight through the Old Testament, ever since the days of Moses and Abraham and Jacob and Isaac, ever since the days of those guys, you have scorned my decrees. You don't trust me. You don't trust me. I tell you, I set you up for abundance. I set you up for blessing. But you think, you, you, it's because you just don't get it. You scorned my decrees. You failed to obey them. Now please return to me. Once more, he never gives up on him. Return to me, and I'll return to you, he says. Now listen, but you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? So the leaders are thinking, we haven't gone anywhere. God, we're, we're, we're where we've always been. We're right with you. God's like, you're not with me. You're far from me. See, when we, when we start to sin and we start to do things that, it, it, can, it can appear like it's not sin in the world that we live in. Like, we can get used to the sin around us because it becomes so common that pretty soon we start to think we're good, right? We're not sinning. This is just normal. That's where they're at. They honestly, it's not like they're like, oh my gosh, God's on to us. They're thinking, what do you mean, God? We're not returned to you. We're right here. And God's like, you missed it. You're so far from me right now. So God is giving up. Oh, by the way, you know what I just thought of? That third servant. He didn't think, I mean, again, he wasn't evil. That one bag of silver man, he wasn't evil. He, it, but I wrote this down. I want to say it like I wrote it. If I can find it. Pray for me. Gotta say it. Oh, here we go. Thank you. You prayed. Thank you. The unfaithful servant didn't purposely do evil. Digging that hole and burying that bag. That was, he wasn't like, I'm gonna, I don't like, I'm mad at God and he ticked me off. No. He's thinking, okay, I'm freaked out. I'm gonna save it here and then I'll give it to the master when he comes back. He's not like being bad, he don't think. But by doing nothing, I wrote, he was committing sin and robbing the Lord of service and increase. So by doing nothing, by bearing the bag, he was sinning and he didn't even know it. That's where the religious leaders at in Malachi. They don't even know it. And God's like, God leans in even harder because he loves them so much. Should people cheat God? And they're like, cheat God? Like, we're the priests. God's like, yep, you have cheated me. But, and I know what you're asking. What do you mean cheated you? When did we ever cheat you? He said, you've cheated me of the tithes and offerings that are due to me. Now, a tithe, when I first heard that word, I didn't even, I thought, pastor, speak in Greek, literally, I don't understand. Well, that word is 10. That's all it means. We're turning 10 to God. It's 10%. And that's a biblical principle where you return 10% of the increase to God of what, of what we make. That's our income. And he says, you've been cheating me of the tithes and offerings due to me. And verse 9 is what my pastor, where my pastor brought me that day. He said, Monty, you're under a curse. I don't know about you, but when someone tells me I'm under a curse, it kind of freaks me out. Like, dude, what are you talking about, curse? You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Verse 10, bring the tithes to the storehouse. Notice the word bring. 
See, the tithe, we, we make this 100% of whatever God chooses for us to make in a moment, and we return 10 to him, you can't give it. Like, when we say we're going to give our tithes and offerings, that's not even the correct statement. It shouldn't even say it that way. I know I've done that. But you can't give a tithe. You don't give what's not yours. The tithe was never yours in the first place. It's always God's, okay? And he's going to get it back one way or another. And, and, and so, so we, we, we return it. We bring, say bring, bring, bring the tithe back to me. In other words, trust me with the tithe, which is mine, and I will bless you because I'm the God that opens the windows of heaven of the heaven's armies. That's what he says. That's the next verse. He says, you bring the tithes to the storehouse. Trust me. Show me that I can trust you. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? Oh, excuse me. That was a different one. I'm getting confused here. So, kind of similar. Um, if you do, the Lord of the heaven's armies, listen to what he says. I will open the windows of heaven. And I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, we hear the 10%, and we freak out, like, oh, my gosh, here we go. The God's going to, the church, whatever. God's like, please keep reading the scripture. Please keep trusting me. The Israelites, you never trusted me, and you wonder why you're in the place you're at. You didn't trust me. You buried it. You hid it for yourself. You're missing the whole point. My God, you're under a curse. Can I just say it that way? My pastor did with me. You're under a curse. It's not that God doesn't want to bless you. He can't. You can't bless that. He can't bless this. That's impossible. And I never, never believed it would happen until I saw it in my own eyes with my own situation. And my pastor said, Monty, you trust him with the one out of the ten, and he will bless the rest. And the ten or the nine will go farther than the ten ever would with his blessing. And it blew me away. And I never... It changed my life. And it was not easy. I'm not preaching that it's going to be easy. I'm not preaching you can't. You need to do some things to get in place for that. But God wants to bless you in so many ways and way bigger than money. 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 When he, remember when he said in Scripture the small amount? He said, you've been faithful with this small amount. That's what he told the guy with five bags and the guy with two bags. That small amount, well, five bags, five talents. If you're reading the King James, five talents. That's $5 million in our day. And you know what God said? You were faithful with a small amount. Like five million, we'd be like, oh man, we'd kill people for five million dollars. God's like, that ain't nothing. <laughs> God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It is nothing to him. But he said, you're faithful. And I will bless you with more. And I never, I never understood it. I never understood it. God, when you show him and you take a step of faith, and, and I thought to myself, I'm barely giving anything, and now it talks about giving, giving 10% to get out of a, of a curse. I'm like, I can't do that. I can't. And my pastor said, you don't need to do it all. Just take a step. And he was right. He was right. So I go from like probably 1% to 1.5%. You know, I don't, maybe five more bucks. And I would see blessings in my life. And I never would have known what to attribute it to. But I was watching. I literally took God by his word. I said, God, you want me to put you to the test? I will. Because I don't trust you in this area. I'm freaking out right now. And I was. But I kid you not, I'm not even at the blessing level of 10% yet. And God's blessing me. Do you know why? Because I took a step. I took a step in the right direction. And I started to trust him in an area. And this is what he was doing. It, it was amazing. Put him to the test. Not because I said it. Because he said it. So, but sometimes I think you hear, okay, pastor, yeah, yeah, you're going to say blah, blah, blah. So, I want you to hear something from Mindy, because Mindy is just like you. She sits in the seats, and she's listening, and she's leaning in, and she don't have everything figured out either, just like I don't have everything figured out, but God has done something supernatural in her life, so I want you to hear it from her. So, Mindy, come on up, 
and, and give her a round of applause, just not because she's cool, but because of that pink hair. I mean, come on, somebody. Dang. Girl can pull that off. I'm a little jealous of that. So Mindy, what prompted this whole thing today is this. Mindy sent me an email. Oh, my gosh, I don't know, probably a couple months ago. I didn't, didn't expect it to come. And she sends me an email, and she's, and she's talking about the area of giving. And, and she's, she, starts talking about, she starts talking about what God has done. Well, first of all, before we can get into that, Mindy, let's, when did you first start coming like, to Meadows Church, you and your family? Um, two years ago this month. Okay, so about two years. So, and we were, we're only two and a half years old, so she's been coming for a large part of what Meadows, as long as Meadows has existed. And I love what you said in your, in your email. And you, you said you've gone to church before. You've, you've, growing up, like many of us, gone to a church, heard on the principles of giving and talked about the tithe and all this thing. And I love what you said. You said, you said, I've heard about tithing many times. It's been preached on before, but it wasn't until Meadows when I not only heard it in a different way, but you said you saw it in a different way. What do you mean by that? Um, well, I heard that when Meadows was actually taking this money, God's money, and bringing more people to the church. And I grew up in the church, and it was never, ever, I never heard that ever. I never heard, hey, invite more people, have more people come to the church and get to know and have a relationship with Christ. I always was heard that, you know, this is to maintain the building and there weren't, the church was never growing. It was always dying. And so I, that when I finally heard that, you know, what Meadows does with the outreach and all of the money um, that is given and bringing more to Christ, I'm like, I'm doing that. I love it. I love that. Like, we want to be a church that we don't really invest a lot in property. I mean, our walls are pipe and drape and a portable building that we set up and tear down every week. Not to say maybe we'll have a building. I don't know. Who cares? I just know that we want to reach people for Jesus. And we'll always invest in people over property any day. And, and something God has shown me, and you just said it, Mindy, people will give to vision. They will give to life change. I mean, yeah, well, they give to some capital campaign and what, but that doesn't excite me that much. It just doesn't. I, I, it, yeah, I, th I just think God will provide that. I, I, want, I want lives to change. And so what you're hearing her say is, we're investing in life change. And, and something that changed your life, it was, and I know you said this was about a year ago, but I preached a message on eternity. And, the, and I, I talked about a book called Imagine Heaven. And I was reading this book and God was moving in me, so I, I wanted to tell the church what I was learning. And I brought it and I shared some, some stories in the book and it really captivated Mindy and her family. And Mindy, what blows me away about what you said in your email, you said not only was that book and that message that weekend a pivotal point in your life and your family, and even with Carrie, your husband, but it was a, you said it was a pivotal point in your giving. And that threw me off because the book, it's about like near-death experiences. It's about people experiencing heaven and then coming back. And, and, and so it wasn't like it's about tithing or giving, but yet God it had to be God because it wasn't really in the book. But how, so how did the book impact you and Carrie and your family so much? Why do you think that is? And, and then in particular in, into giving, can you speak into that? Um, uh, it was two years ago this month, Carrie's dad died. And, um, you know, you kind of struggle when you lose someone. And, you, you know, we can read the Bible and sometimes that's like Morse code. 
um, trying to understand all that, you know. And um, so um, when he talked about that a year ago, um, we were on our way home and my husband's like, get that book. We got to get that book. And I'm like, I looked at him like he was crazy because I'm like, this dude don't read. I mean, he barely reads the paper. <laughs> so, um, and so I'm like, okay. So I immediately got on Amazon Prime, ordered the book. It was there two days later. And we went on a trip to Nashville and we drove there. That's a long drive. And so we took the book with us and we decided to read it together while one was driving, the other one would read it. And um, the book is incredible and lots of tears were shed because they, John Burke in this book is taking talking about people that have had near-death experiences. They call them NDEers. And um, he only takes people that would, and listens to their stories that they have, they, they won't gain anything from this whatsoever. They actually have a lot to lose. So then they know, you know you're not making it up because, right, that's his point there. Right. You're, they're not gonna make the story up because if anything, if they share it, they're gonna lose something, not gain something. Right. So, yeah. And so it was incredible listening um, to their experiences about heaven and what it was about. And he was relating that to scripture and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it was, in, you know, where we could find that in the Bible. But then it, towards the end of the book, he started talking about stories of people that, you know, that are atheists, that, ha um, that actually their near-death experience was going to hell. And the, the torture that those people were going through and that that was gonna be there forever, I'm like, and they say in the Bible that the road is narrow mm -hmm. of, what's, of who's going to heaven, yeah. even though we think everybody is. Yeah. Not everybody is. <laughs> right. And the last thing I wanna do is have people not know Christ because I didn't invite them to something wow. and get to know Christ. And so knowing what Meadows was doing with the tithe, that I had to give my 10% in order for them to grow and bring more to Christ so we could all spend eternity in heaven together. Amen. Because it is, isn't that what it's about? to reach more people for Jesus. Casey talked about that digital event, Protect Young Eyes. That's, I'm excited about the social media aspect to equip parents about how to navigate with your families because that's not going away. But what excites me more is the outreach. We can reach people in that event that would never step foot in a church, but they have kids that are buried in Fortnite or do it screen time and they're struggling. And it's just one more avenue. That, that, that event costs the church a lot of money and, I, and I'll invest in that all day long because it's all about the people, loving people. Mindy, you said something in that email that blew me away. Mindy, if you get to know her, she's, she's honest, whether you want her to be or not, she's gonna come with the truth, um, pink hair and all, she's coming. And uh, she said, she said it, it's, it's, it's not easy. I appreciate her honesty. As, as she continually ups this level of giving financially, knowing that God is using it to reach people for the kingdom, you said, and I quote, it's oh so hard some weeks, Monty, knowing what we owe in other areas. And I appreciate you saying that because I'll guarantee you, Almost everybody in this room will, will come across that thought where they're like, I know I need to, I know I want God's blessings, I know what the word says, but I've got this and I've got this and I've got these kids and they eat like they're horses and I don't know how I'm gonna feed them and, all, and it just keeps, you know what I'm saying? So 
I think it's real. And I think they need to hear that because we're not alone in this. It's hard, but, but what would you say to them? I mean, they're struggling like you struggle some weeks. What would you say to them to encourage them to, to, to get past that? Well, the biggest thing that I kept hearing God tell me is if you give your 10% now, I'll give you more so your 10% can be bigger to give back to me. And, um, and he made that very clear. And I didn't realize how much that really grew and how he really, much he really did grow that by um, until we were, you know, of course, tax season is upon us. And I was figuring all of that kind of stuff out. And our income increased by $30,000 last year. So you see what God, and you should celebrate that. Some people might feel weird. You shouldn't feel weird celebrating that. I'll celebrate any and every blessing from, from God that, I, that, that he wants to give us. It's so, it's so much bigger than money, but yet God will bless that area too. But it is uh, so many, let's just close it out. What other areas of your life? I mean, obviously your daughter, your son, your husband, the extended family. What are some ways beyond the, the financial aspect, which you cannot doubt the blessings there, but what are the other areas you've been blessed in since you've started to get about the father's business in this area? Um, just growing more relationships and the relationships that I was in, better relationships. My husband and I have been married for 27 and a half years and our relationship relationship has strengthened Amen. leaps and bounds just in that area. You know, you come closer when you start understanding everything. And um, being when you can be disciplined in one area, it allows you to be disciplined in other areas. And um, that, so it has really grown me um, more than anything, just in relationships and building stronger relationships with the people that I know and I love, or even those that maybe I don't love so much, but I want to, you know, grow their, but because if I, you have can, those people I in your life too? Into them, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> and I can pour into them more, um, in, 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 which helps. It does help. You hear, I don't know if you caught it, how many times that Mindy said the word relationships. That's what it's all about. We get one shot. It's a quick trip. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Will we sell out to the king for everything? I'm not just talking finances. I'm talking time, talent. None of us are there where we need to be, but God is, I, I believe so much, wanting us to take a step, show us that he can bless us, and so we, so we will be obedient to provide more, like you said, back into the kingdom, because he likes that. I know God likes that. So would you give it up to Mindy for just coming up here, having the courage. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Love you so much. It's amazing to me. So God showed me something to close out this message. He always does things that I don't expect. Like I have an idea where I'm going with the message, but then he'll take me in a direction that I believe that he wants to, to, me to see and me to show you. I'll show you something in a verse. Do you remember the verse? He said the same thing in verse 21 as he did in verse 23. To the good, two guys that were faithful, he said the same thing. Well done, right? Remember what he said? He said, you did well. You, you've been faithful with what I've given you, the small amount I've been giving you. I'll give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. Verse 21 and 23 are identical to the five guy and the two guy. So I start looking at that verse, let's just say 21, and I start studying other translations just to see what they say. Because I'm like, more responsibility? And it's so interesting. So I get to the King James, the new King James, and it says the same thing as most translations it should, but it's a little different. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. 
I will make you ruler. And I stopped. So I will give you many more responsibilities. Well, that doesn't maybe sound, okay, you're, you're blessing me in some area. I don't know what it is. To me, the King James is going to get a little more specific and say, I'll make you ruler over many things. So think about that for a second. I am blessing you not only financially, here's, you know, you made more bags and here's more bags and all this, but I am expanding you. I am taking you from servant to ruler. Well, ruler's going to have more influence than a servant. A ruler's going to have more territory than a servant. It's way bigger than finance. So Mindy, in her area, she'll tell you this. If you talk to her alone or whatever after the service, she'll tell you that in her area of industry, what she does was her territory is expanding. And God is doing things that's way bigger than just the money coming in. It's the relationships. It's the people. It's the connections. I wrote it down. These two, they start as servants. And, and the master would promote them to rulers. Why? Because they showed him that they were faithful with a little so he could bless them with more. When you show God that you trust him and that he can trust you, he will show you great things in your family, in your children, in your finance, in your job, in every area of your life. Does someone want that today? Come on, I said, do you want God to show you great things? I want it. I'm not afraid God blessed the heck out of me. I don't know why we get so shy and timid about wanting God to bless us. And you know what God says to you today? I want to. God doesn't want to sit there and hold back. I want to see you struggle. I want to see you cry on your knees about you can't pay rent. You can't pay your bills. I love that. Are you kidding me? God wants to bless you. But he can't do it unless we, unless we show him we want to be faithful with just a little he's given us. If you will show him, if you will take a step, I promise you, he said it. It ain't me promising, it's him. I'll open the floodgates of heaven. <laughs> Mindy, I did some research because the message is about purpose. And the message is about people. This is why Jesus Christ would come to earth for you, for people. Mindy's in the people business. I think when God would look at your life, Mindy, he would say, I can trust her. I will send her people. I will send her not only people that will help her in her cause, but I will send her people that I need help with because I've called her to reach people in my name. And she cares about lost people, so I'm gonna bring lost people to her. And, we, and Casey talked about each one reach one. Well, with Mindy, it's like each one reached 32 because she's, she's about the father's business when it comes to inviting. So I did a little research and I looked at the people she invited and then I looked at some of the people they invited and they, they invited, you know, the chain that started with her and her obedience, her showing the father that he can trust her. This isn't, this isn't an exhaustive list. It's just what I could come up with quickly. This is people Mindy's invited or that they've invited to Meadows. Mindy. Carrie, Shelby, Kane, Kale, Austin, Ashley, AJ, Denny, Linda, Fred, Nancy, Andrew, Tasia, Tracy, Emily, Amanda, Gigi, Sean, Dylan, Jake, or Jade, Aurora, Suzanne, 
Ava, Quentin, Tanya, Chantel, Kyra, Laura, Jessica, Jamie, Joanne, Chris, Heather, Dave, Rhonda. I mean, come on, somebody. Oh, by the way, 16 of those people have made decisions for Jesus Christ in this church. Yeah, I can trust her. Yeah, I can trust her. God wants to trust you. God wants to trust you. Look up here. This was the toughest area for me because it's what I held so dearly. And I'm guessing for many of you it is too, why the, why the king would talk about it more than anything else. Let him go to work in you. I'm praying for you today. I don't want to just preach to you. I want to really equip you. I really do. I'll do whatever it takes. We will do whatever it takes. The number one way we walk with people financially is, an, is a, um, a program called Financial Peace University. It's a biblical-based program that we're starting in March 8th. And it's like once a week for 10 weeks. Oh, by the way, everybody that takes, the average person that takes that program and graduates, like finishes all 10 weeks, the average person, get this, I'll, I'll, let me make sure I get it right. When they start the class and 90 days later, they've paid off an average of $5,300 of debt and they've saved $2,700 uh, on average. That's $8,000 net, okay? That's what the average is. And God knows Meadows is above average. Am I, am I right? You know, so you, what I'm saying is the class will cost you a hundred bucks. And if that's, a, if that's a barrier, come talk to me. I'll do whatever it takes to set you free in this area. I'm not going to preach you a message and get you inspired and get you motivated. Oh, yeah, I love that. But at the end of the day, I want, I want you show God that he can trust you. And some of you, you know what you're gonna do? After the service, you're gonna walk in the Welcome Center back to a table by the merchandise, and you are gonna show God that you're gonna take a step. You're gonna sign your name, and you're gonna say, I want in. I want that freedom. I want that life. I want that abundance. I want the purpose that God created me to live. And I wanna take Financial Peace University. I'm praying that you will do that. I've taken it, it's changed my life. It's changed my family. It will show you how to manage the 90. Because guess what? You can't just return 10 to God and then go to the casino with the 90. That doesn't work, okay? Casey's tried it multiple times, screwed them all up. So, just kidding. He's only done it a couple times. Um, so, we want to help you. I, I want, I'll do whatever I can to equip you. I love you so much. I'm excited about what God is doing. Matthew 6, let's close it out. Seek first the kingdom of God. Will you seek him first? First in your finance first in your time, first of your day, as you pray to him, first, say first. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Jesus Christ, he's all you need. And with him in you, it will compel you to give. It will, he will, it's your Holy Spirit. And, and listen to me, and this might be hard to hear, but listen, I, I, I love you too much not to tell you something like this. If you, have, if you have no desire in your life to give back in any way, not just church, but really like to be generous. This is, that is a huge indicator that the spirit of God is not in you. And, and that doesn't, I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. Trust me, I love you. That's why I would tell you that because that was me. I believed in Jesus and I would want to give once in a while when it was convenient for me and it worked for my schedule and in my checkbook, which wasn't often. I believed in Jesus with my head. He wasn't in my heart. Well, that's the difference between heaven and hell. Like Mindy talked about, hell is real. I know that makes people uncomfortable, but I'd rather be uncomfortable this side of heaven talking about it rather than the other side. So why did Jesus come? To save you from you. To save you from your selfishness and from your dysfunction like you and I got. 
So Jesus would come and die on a cross. And you know what the Bible says? That he paid it all. Like he was a ransom that paid for all of our sins. And that when we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Not just believing, that's where it begins, but surrender. And my question is, will you surrender all your life to him today? I pray that you won't leave here until that happens because this message means nothing if you don't have him in you. It doesn't, it means nothing, it's garbage. You, I want, I want, because when Jesus is in you, oh, by the way, I love Jesus paid it all. So some of you, if you're struggling in debt, and maybe you got bill collectors calling, you know what you can tell them tomorrow when they call you? Say, listen, bill collector, my pa- I gave my life to Jesus yesterday. My pastor said he paid it all. Don't call me again, click. You just hang up on him. I don't know if that'll work or not, but try it, okay? So, Jesus loves you, he died for you, but yet the road to heaven, most people won't sell out to him. I'm begging you. What do you got to lose? Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. When his spirit is in you, listen to me, it will compel you to give. You will give. You remember last week, if you were here, I talked about Dorothy. I shared about a family that saw her and she was a patient at the time. But what I love about the family, they didn't just see Dorothy as a patient, they saw her as a person with a purpose. And the spirit of God in Liz and Matt would move them to give. I talked to Liz this week. She's all like, I don't want to, you know, don't. I know it's, you know, it's, but don't, it's not me. It's not me. And I'm like, Liz, you're right. It ain't you. It's Jesus in you. Be proud of that. There's many people that aren't being obedient to that, but you were. So they reach out. They build, they don't even call me. They contact each other in the church, be in the church. And they, they gather funds. They go down to Dorothy's apartment this week and they hand a check for months, months of rent that she owed and they pay it for her. And not only that, oh, check this out. Not only that, they don't, they don't just do that. But this morning they drive to Dorothy's apartment and they pick her up. I love you so much. I'm so glad you're here. Dorothy has purpose. You have purpose. Let's, let's let it begin today. And at the end of the day, I pray that you see this. I pray that through the end of this message, it's always attention because people want, you know, just the devil tries to work. I pray at the end of the day that you understand one thing. Jesus Christ taught on money more than anything else. Do you know why he did it? It wasn't because he needs your money. Okay, it's not that. It wasn't because he wants your money. Check this out. He taught on it because he wants you. He wants your heart. He wants you to trust him. And he wants to bless you beyond anything. I said he wants to bless you beyond anything that you can dream or imagine. Come on, 15 seconds up to God right now. Give him a shout, God. Send your spirit into this place. Do a work. Change us. Make us new. We love you, Father but we're messed up. Can we say it? We need you. I need him. You need him. Let me pray for you. Father, your spirit is in this place today. You're doing a work that only you can do. 
I thank you for Mindy having the courage to come up and share what you're doing in her and her family. I thank you. I pray that it, it propels people towards their purpose and that they, they know that if we, if we will take a step, if we will just show you that you can trust us, God, just a little time, it might be a little tiny step, but it's still a step in the right direction. If we will show you, then you will bless us. I'm not afraid to say it, God. I want blessings. I want your favor. I want it on me. I want it on my family. I want it on our church. I want it on everybody here sitting, everybody here standing, everybody here crying, everybody here hurting, everybody here wondering, everybody here waiting to see if today's going to be better than yesterday, God. The truth of the matter is this. The closer we get to the king, the more our life changes. God, I pray with everything in me, and that ain't much, God, you know, but I, I'll give you everything, that you will, you will help people take a step towards the King Jesus through a surrender, through giving you all of their lives, through taking a step to Financial Peace University, to whatever you're calling them to do, inviting each one to reach one because people matter to you. And that's why, Jesus, you would come not, not, not so we're just blessed financially so that people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. At the end of the day, nothing is more important. Devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. You have no authority, not in our house, not in our lives. I cast you out, God. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your truth. Do a work in us. Give us your, give us your courage and your strength and your wisdom and your will to do your work. We know it won't be easy, but we know with you in us, Father, it'll happen. It can happen. It can get better. We trust you. We thank you. We give you glory. God, we're, we're, we're never going to stop declaring that in you, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Thanks for watching the Meadows Church YouTube channel. But don't stop there. We want to invite you to be part of our family and subscribe so you don't miss a single update or message. But not only that, I would encourage you, share this message with a friend. I mean, you and I both know so many people out there are struggling. I mean, they're seeking answers, searching for hope, looking for purpose. That's right, you were created on purpose for a purpose, and we would love to walk with you in your journey. I hope you know that you are valuable and you are loved. And we believe that for you, the best is yet to come. God bless you.